Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, I am um, very excited to talk to my guest today, to hear her story. You will be too. You know how sometimes um, you, I mean, we're bombarded every day with, on the internet or on television or on radio or with stories, just unbelievable stories um, that we are not happy about, you know, things that make us angry, right? Uh, all this crazy stuff happening in the world. And a lot of times we feel, most of the time, we feel somewhat helpless to do anything about it. It's just too much already. <laughs> and, um, and so when I come across someone who uh, did do something about it, um, I think that it is a great opportunity to um, hear about this so that you too could uh, stand up for things that you come across that are wrong. Now, um, my guest is Dr. Carlin Borisenko. She is um, a, she, she describes herself as helping individuals and organizations create better work experiences. She has a, um, uh, she has a Bachelor of Science from B- Boston University a Master of Business Administration from Norwich, which university, uh, a PhD from Capella University in Industrial and Organizational Psychology. And uh, her dissertation was a grounded theory study of how young professionals cope with being a target of wo- workplace bullying. <laughs> you know, that's interesting, um, Carlin, <laughs> Dr. Carlin. Uh, that's an interesting uh, thesis, considering that you apparently did very well <laughs> in not being bullied uh, to the point of becoming a whistleblower. So, tell us about, why don't we start off with just giving us a little background of who you are, why you studied these things, you know, why you went to school to study organizational psychology and all that, and then um, how you got involved in the story, the whistleblowing story that I'm going to want you to tell people about. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, so how I got started in industrial organizational psychology, and it's actually kind of funny that you say that I'm I'm very good at not being bullied, but the fact of the matter is, I had horrible work experiences throughout my 20s. I have I have encountered many workplace bullies, and um, some of them did definitely target me for bullying. In fact, while I was writing my dissertation, I was actually being bullied by my own boss in the job that I had at the time. So workplace bullying for me was always something that was very top of mind, and I wanted to understand it on a deeper level. Now, how I got started in IO psychology is, you know, I was working in a job that I didn't really like, and it's one of those, um, you know, kind of fate situations where they happened to have an industrial organizational psychologist on staff and she took me under her wing and she really mentored me and taught me so so much and so I had been thinking about doing a PhD just as like a self-actualization exercise more than anything else I was like can I can I do this Um, and so she actually convinced me to go into the field and uh, I'm really glad that I did because I think that the workplace is where so many people spend so much time even now that so many are working from home. And there's absolutely no reason why it has to be a miserable experience. And so by understanding mm-hmm. how these experiences come about, that was what, how I wanted to try to help out organizations. Hmm. And did your, your first experience of being bullied uh, at the workplace, was that before you decided to go into this or, or just when you, at the point where you were doing your dissertation? It was it was at the point it was right before I was doing my dissertation. So this is actually uh, you're making me remember back a number of years now. But um, this was actually I had originally started uh, thinking about a dissertation in terms of something that would actually understand virtual workplaces, and this was back. 
almost 10 years ago now. So it was just in the era where um, people were starting to work from home and it really wasn't a popular thing. And I thought that work from home was the future. And I was like, how can we create more productive and fulfilling virtual workplaces where people can be at home, have more flexibility? That was the original path I was going down. And then as I was completing my coursework and I was getting towards my comprehensive exam, I started being bullied in the workplace, actually by an employee by someone I had actually hired. A lot of times people think that bullying can only come from your boss down, but that's just simply not true. Although most bullying does take place from bosses, it can happen from a peer, someone kind of at your level. It can also happen from a subordinate. And it was a really jarring experience for me because it was, it was, it started off, and this is generally the pattern with workplace bullying. It starts off with little things that you don't even think about, like someone takes a stapler off your desk or they move your chair or they play a practical (laughs) joke on you that you don't like. And so that's what what it started out for me as it was just these little things that kept happening over and over and over again. And at some point it kind of bubbled up and became really obvious that this person was frankly bullying me to try to get me fired so that he could take my job and make more money. Mm. And And that's the general pattern we find, or at least I found in my dissertation with young professionals, is it's very, very similar. It starts small so that they don't even really notice it at first, and they only identify it as bullying when it reaches a climactic level where it's just become too much to bear. Hmm, that's very interesting. What kind of a company was it? Ah, this was a college. A college? Yeah, yeah and, and actually... So, and you hired... Well, and actually, it's it's rather funny because in high, what we find in higher education is that bullying takes place in uh, the higher education work environment at a little less than twice the rate of like your normal work environment. So in normal work environments, around uh, roughly 30, 35% of people experience workplace bullying at some point. In higher education, it's 62% experience workplace bullying. Hmm. So it is an industry that's rife for and- it. And how do you explain that? How, what, why, do, why is that? Um, I think there are a lot of factors involved. The, uh, so the bullying that I experienced took place on the administrative side of higher education. So I wasn't a faculty member. I was, I was actually doing marketing for the college. Um, but a lot of it, I think it really comes from the academic environment where it is extremely hard to fire people once they get hired, at least in faculty positions. And then you add tenure into it and it creates a whole other level where it just becomes next to impossible. People gain a lot of institutional power and at some point they, they stop being afraid to use it to get what they want. So I think it's a really unfortunate thing that happens in higher education. Um, and also, by the way, the, the number one industry for workplace bullying is actually nursing, which I think should terrify many of us, especially those of us who have, uh, have our parents and grandparents in uh, retirement homes. Huh. And and is that usually from the top down? Uh, it can come from any angle. It does. It it can absolutely come from the top down. I think um, I, I want to say like sixty percent of bullying does come from the boss down to an employee, but it can also come from a peer. It can come from a subordinate. Workplace bullying is a power uh-huh. play. At the end of the day, it's just a power uh-huh. play, uh-huh. and so anyone at any level can do that. Hmm. Okay. Now, you, um, you, first of all, you're the author of a book called Zen Your Work, Create Your Ideal Work Experience Through Mindful Self-Mastery. Perhaps we can talk about that later on in yeah. the show. But you also are a speaker. Um, yep. And you, uh, so, and the, you're the principal of your company, your own company, which is called Zen Workplace. And you're a leadership content director, so, um, uh, oh, creating content for senior leaders at colleges and universities. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> um, and you're a speaker as well. So, yeah. how, so how did you end up in Coca-Cola, which is the, <laughs> which is the, uh, the villain, the, the company that we are going to be talking about? Um, that Dr. Carlin blew the whistle on. So tell us how you wound up at Coca-Cola. 
Well, it's it's a little bit of a story, Carol, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna take you on a little ride. So yeah, everything you said about me is Good. true. I was a leadership content director. That's actually an an older position. I don't hold that anymore. Um, but uh, really, I was I was kind of minding my own business and just you know I was doing corporate trainings and everything last year, and then COVID hit, and um, and my business kind of went haywire as many people's businesses did, and we had to kind of figure out how to make it work in a virtual environment. But but the thing that really changed everything for me was actually the death of George Floyd, because after George Floyd died, what happened huh. is um, a lot. What happened is a very specific type of organizational training took over my industry, and that was training that a lot of people might know it as anti-racist training. Um, it's based on a fringe academic theory called critical race theory that I think is just incredibly dangerous and destructive to organizations. Now, there is nothing wrong with doing diversity training. There is nothing wrong with teaching different groups of people how to work well together. To for there's nothing wrong with organizations doing everything they can to make sure that everyone, regardless of their race, uh, have access to every opportunity that is available. And those are all really positive things. However, this specific type of training that a lot of organizations are doing right now is, is incredibly detrimental. And what it ends up doing is it actually pits employees against one another. They're constantly reporting on each other. They're, they're, they're snitching behind their backs. They're on, on the constant lookout for int- instances of what's called microaggressions as signs of racism. Um, to give you an example of what might be a microaggression, it might be something like someone forgot to CC you on an email or someone forgot to invite you to a meeting, which are things that frankly, just happen all the time in organizations. And so what's, what, what started happening was it was started, everything started being linked to systemic racism. Now, people can have their opinions on that, um, and I'm sure many of your listeners do, but from my perspective, I only want to engage in things that are positive for organizations that build better work environments where people can really thrive regardless of their race or gender or any of those things. So I started looking into this specific type of training and what I found was just absolutely shocking to me. And this is training that is done at almost every major organization in the world now. And I happened to, so I've been, I've been discussing this training on the internet quite prolifically on my YouTube channel, what have you. And so what happens is people will see my videos on it and they'll just email me things. They'll email me slide decks they're using. They'll email me trainings their employers are having to do. So I'm seeing all this wealth of information. Well, one of the most shocking things that I was emailed recently was slides from Coca-Cola employees. And these employees were just there. They're just like run-of-the-mill employees. They're mid-level employees, nothing, you know, really special about them. Other than they came in one day to work and were asked to do an online training as part of Coke's new diversity program. Now, that online training had slides that said things like people who are white are oppressors. They're aggressive. They don't listen. They're not humble. And there was one culminating slide that said, try to be less white. Now, let's just imagine for a second okay, wait, what wait, would wait. happen. Let me, let me okay. just back, let, wait, wait. Let me, let me just, um, this is all very interesting. There's a lot in there. I just want you to back up a little bit. Sure. <laughs> because, so, so let me, because just to, to go a little deeper into it. So, okay, so you, so you were minding your own business <laughs> before George Floyd. Yeah. What? Uh, it's a lot. I'm, just, oh, I, I'm acknowledging that? that I just said a lot. <laughs> Yes, yes. Um, okay, so before George Floyd, and of course this has turned out to be very timely, us talking about this today, um, yeah. you know, with the trial starting at all. Okay, so before George Floyd, um, you were, were going, I mean, your, what was your day job before George Floyd? It was my running my business. It was just doing corporate training was? and coaching. Zen Workplace, doing corporate, corporate. training and coaching. Corporate training and coaching, did you say? And coaching, yep. Yes, yes, in this zen of, of, of um, zen your work. That's yes, exactly. Making, uh, making workplaces more productive and more enjoyable and all of that. Okay, there you were. Yes. <laughs> Which was very zen. <laughs> Which was very nice. I try to be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then, yes. So then the George Floyd incident happened, um, 
and the, our country has gone crazy since then. Um, yes, it has. <laughs> from, thing, from things like, um, uh, you know, from, from the Muppets. <laughs> I mean, I've been actually talking a lot about this. You may have been looking at my, uh, my Twitter once we connected. Um, you know, I, where it's everything from a Muppets, Monopoly, Gone with the Wind. I mean, everything. Everything is being canceled in our society. Crazy stuff. And um, not to say that racism doesn't exist to some degree in America or all over the world, but people have gone absolutely crazy trying to cancel everything. And in part, that is to get in the media again, you know, to, to make noise. But, okay, so, so what made you, so when the George Floyd incident happened, what, did, what changed? I mean, why did you decide, or what did you decide to do that you were saying people then saw um, like uh, you on YouTube or, or various social media things. What what made you change and what were you saying at that early time? Uh, oh, I wouldn't say that I changed necessarily, but um, I definitely did have a growing presence on YouTube and a variety of social media platforms. And I was, you know, I'm talking about issues that are important to me. I talk about issues sometimes related to the workplace. I do tend to keep the workplace stuff in my business, to be honest. Um, I talk about issues related to politics, culture, but this was one of those things that it kind of, it combined both areas for me. It was, it was that this critical race theory training was taking over my industry. It was, it was very difficult to, to uh, get organizations to do any type of training that was not based on critical race theory. And so it was just everywhere. Uh -huh. And I, I had kind of a so, decision so wait, wait, to wait, make. Wait, 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 okay. wait, wait. Okay. Okay. So ahead, I'm just trying to so, so that is how, so, so in your normal course of business, as you would be, um, you know, reaching out to companies or companies reaching out to you to have you come there and give these talks and so on, um, that you, you saw how critical race theory was basically taking over all those, those speaking engagements, uh, you know, with the focus of the companies. And they weren't focusing on Zen anymore. They were focusing on critical race theory. Is that right? Yeah, well, I mean, let's. It's a rare company that focuses on Zen anyway, but I'm very lucky that I've been able to work <laughs> with a few of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, they were just they were just solely focused on this, and it, I think it was because they really felt like they had to. I think that they felt like in the wake of this, because it was so big and it was everywhere, and their employees were demanding that they do this training. I think that they felt like they had to. And so for me at this point, there was really a decision to be made about whether or not I wanted to play into this new cultural development or whether I wanted to speak out against it. Because, again, I have seen absolutely zero evidence that this type of training works in organizations. I haven't seen it, any evidence to say it makes places okay. more productive or fulfilling or oh, any of those okay. things. All right. All right. Perfect. Um, so now we are at this point, and we have to take a break, but this is a great place to stop because um, when, we, when we come back, you will um, be able to get right into that um, where you were starting to go into about people contacting you and so on about, about what was going on in their companies. So all right, Brilliant. so we need to take a break. My guest is Dr. Carlin Borisenko. Her book is called Zen Your Work, uh, create your ideal work experience through mindful self-mastery. All right, so stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the Terrorism Hotline 
And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today. So contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back. Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Dr. Carlin Borisenko. We we, we just got to the point where we're going to be digging deep now. I wanted to get her background, which is quite extensive in terms of workplace and and, um, as a coach and as a speaker and and, uh, having her own business. And we were talking about bullying at work, which of course is a major problem. Um, and it's, it's kind of ironic, but what, because what we're going to be talking about now is a kind of bur- bullying at work as well by the companies. So, um, Dr. Carlin has, uh, was just starting to talk about how because of her large presence on the internet, on social media, um, people started writing, sending things into her regarding their workplace. So why don't you take it from there? Yeah, exactly. So because I started, I, I kind of had a choice to make about whether or not I wanted to speak out against this specific type of training. And so I started doing so uh, because I do think it's dangerous for organizations and I don't think it's emotionally healthy for anyone that has to take it. And I started just giving examples of different types of training that organizations were doing. And so people would see this content on the internet and every once in a while they would just send me things that their workplaces were making them do. And so one day I came in and I sat down in my chair and I had an email from a whistleblower inside of Coca-Cola and they had come in one day and them and their entire team had been instructed to take an online training uh, just uh, as part of Coke's new Better Together diversity initiative and they were frankly really shocked at the material in this training. And what had happened was they were they had a whole list of, of different trainings they could do on LinkedIn Learning, and somehow they got on this, uh, this specific training confronting racism, understanding what it means to be white, challenging what it needs, means to be racist. And this was a curriculum based on the work of Robin D'Angelo, who is the author of the book White Fragility that was just the, it became the the best selling book in the country this summer uh this past summer after George Floyd's death and this book is the the amount of crazy things in this book I just I I don't, we don't even have time to enumerate all of them I have read the book I did a whole review of it and she says things like I have been racist since the womb. She says that she was racist before she was even born because she was born white. And she confesses throughout the books of all the instances of her own racism. And then she tries to make the argument that because she experienced all these things, all white people do them, which, of course, is not backed up in the literature at all. And so what has happened is a lot of workplaces have have grabbed onto this ideology that is promoted from Robin D'Angelo, and they've started to do trainings around it. And this particular training at Coca-Cola had slides that said things like, to be white is to be oppressive, arrogant, certain, defensive, ignorant, humble, to not listen, to not believe. And then it, it said in, um, it says that research shows that children at the age of three to four understand that it is better to be white. So they're basically making the argument that children, toddlers, are racist because they were born white. And then there was a a final culminating slide that says, try to be less white. Now, this was very shocking for the people who 
uh, took this training and they decided to email the, me these slides because they're not okay with it and they wanted to show light on it. Because imagine, if you will, of what would happen to an organization if they did a diversity training that told people to be less black or be less Latino or be mm-hmm. less Native American or be less Asian. There would, there would have been a media outcry, the likes of which we have uh-huh. never seen before. And so, and so, like yes. that, this made them really uncomfortable. And and to be really candid, one of the the person who actually originally emailed me the slides wasn't white. He he's he's actually Latino. He's not white himself, but he was still very disturbed by this. And so, I took the slides and I basically I vetted it a little bit to make sure that I understood the training. It was a it was at the time publicly available on LinkedIn Learning, which meant that not only was Coca-Cola using the training, but that thousands of other companies were using it as well, because LinkedIn Learning is one of the major training platforms that organizations can sign up for, and their employees can go on and take courses about, about a variety of things. And there were thousands of companies that had employees in this course. So I put the slides out on Twitter, and, uh, and they went a little viral, Carol. They did. <laughs> <laughs> and and so and, and once happened? all the, well once all of the attention was brought to it so Coca-Cola released two statements the first statement they released said that this it basically confirmed this program was a part of their training but it said it was not the focus of their training and then a couple hours later they released a different statement that said that this program was never a part of our training and I, I actually heard uh, from a bunch of other whistleblowers inside Coca-Cola that they had scrubbed this training completely from their website um, so they, they were doing some damage control but you know what like I'm actually not angry at Coca-Cola in this regard, which might sound confusing to a lot of people, but the fact of the matter is that Coca-Cola was using a publicly available curriculum that was on LinkedIn. That's what I wanted to, that, well, that's where I wanted action to be yes, taken. Yes, yes, let's look at that for a minute, because LinkedIn is supposed to be um, benign. I mean, it's supposed to be basic and, and uh, uh, apple pie and, and all of that. Um, that, I think, is the most shocking part, that how does something like this get on LinkedIn, which is just supposed to be such a generic kind of um, site program and all of that? Well, I, yeah, I mean, that, that was the big question for me. And the fact of the matter is that people really have to understand this training is everywhere. It is it, the reason that this, this training was on LinkedIn since last June last June or July, it has been around for a long time. And this is the first time that anyone had ever heard about it. And the reason that people did not find this training shocking previous to this is this training right now is literally everywhere. Every major organization almost is doing this type of work. So that is probably why it was on LinkedIn in the first place and why we, we, we didn't hear about it until several months after it initially launched. But the fact of the matter is that it, it did have a little bit of a happy ending in that LinkedIn actually ended up pulling down the training within a couple of days of the news going viral on the internet. And the reason they pulled down the training is even more interesting because apparently it had been created by a third party who took an interview with Robin D'Angelo, created a training about it, didn't get Robin D'Angelo's approval and put it on LinkedIn. And so Robin D'Angelo herself actually came out and basically denounced this specific training and demanded it be pulled off LinkedIn, which I found to be a little ironic because people like Robin D'Angelo make so much money selling this type of training into organizations. What I believe happened is that she realized that she wasn't getting royalties for this training and that's why she had to take it down because it wasn't about the content. The the content is right out of her book. So, okay. And, um, (laughs) And what, I mean, yes, it is interesting that, that 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 would be why she would, you know, be against it or why it would be taken down. But but why is it, so did she then put up her own thing on LinkedIn and just, I mean, or do something so that she would get um, money for it for, from every company that used it? Well, not as of yet, but um, but we'll certainly be keeping an eye on that to see if she does that. And if she does, um, you know, we'll we'll have to see what happens at that point. 
Well, let's talk a little bit more about what some of these things were in this training because um, uh, let me just, I mean, some of the statements, uh, you know, making people feel guilty for being white. And, um, yeah. and, you know, yes, you were mentioning about three- and four-year-olds, and I saw that. You know, one of the things I've been talking about is how uh, critical race theory or whatever you want to, whatever name you want to give to it, um, things that kids, I mean, I have become, just in this past year, um, more aware. I mean, I think maybe since one of the turning points was when I read an article months ago about um, how a, an architecture teacher, a professor of architecture in a college, was helping students, teaching students how to take down statues in a most efficient way. Mm-hmm. And it boggled my mind. I mean, I know that, yes, that's, that colleges, um, you know, are very anti-conservative or very liberal, you know, another way to say it. Um, but, but the idea of a college professor helping students take down statues was just, just too much for me to, <laughs> to uh, put my head around. And... Um, and then I started looking into more about what kids were being were learning at younger grades, and uh, the things that are, and it is primarily Black Lives Matter now. And, and I've been asked, you know, in interviews that that I've done about uh, about cancel culture and these kinds of things that we're talking about. I mean, I, I haven't been talking about critical race theory in at, in the workplace, but the, um, but because because I really didn't know about that. And um, we were talking in the break about how most people don't know about that unless you happen to be in one of these companies where they're throwing this down your throat, jamming it down your throat. So, but when you look at what's happening in schools, and you say something, I think, about how really what this is doing, both in schools and in workplace, wherever, wherever these um, crazy things are, like, um, making you feel guilty for being white, claiming that you're racist just because you're white, and all of that, um, you know, it's, it's really having the opposite effect. Instead of making people, to the extent that a white person is racist, and obviously not all white people are racist, contrary to, uh, to this theory, um, but to whatever extent you are, or even if you're not, this kind of stuff makes you racist. It makes you angry. And, and it makes you, um, uh, you know, have angry, bad feelings towards people who are trying to tell you that you're a racist. What do you yeah, do about that? What do you yeah, well, do that's about ab- that? That's absolutely correct. And I think that this, this training really does get in people's heads and it messes with people. You know, one of the things that back in the days before COVID, when people were going to work in person, one of the things that this training would do in organizations is it would actually separate out white employees from employees of color and they would receive two different types of training. So there's actually an example of one, one training that happened at Sandia National Laboratories, which is basically a government contractor that's responsible for maintaining our nuclear arsenal in which they took all the white executives on a three day retreat, forced them to confess uh. their racism and write letters of uh. apology for their inherent and obvious racism. This is brainwashing. Wow. That's what this is. And it, you, the, the simple reality is, is that I absolutely believe there are discussions to have around race in this country. There's, you know, we, we are, our goal is to create a more perfect union, right? We are never going to be perfect. Our goal should be to be a little, you know, less racist than the generation before us, let's say, and to just get a little bit better over time. And I think we've come so, so far and there's still a lot of work to do. But the reality is that you can't, fight racism by creating more racism. And what I see happen Mm -hmm. to people who buy into this ideology, who do this type of training, it actually makes them more racist. They start to treat people differently based purely on the color of their skin or their gender or their sexual orientation or their gender identity. And, you know, every single person that I've ever met that's from, let's say, like um, like what they would consider an oppressed community or a a minority community, they just want to be treated like everyone else. 
and they want just the, mm-hmm. they want to have access to the opportunities that everyone else has access to. And so this this ideology is just fundamentally counterproductive. And you bring up the schools. What is going on in the schools is even more terrifying because what they're starting to do is integrate anti-racist curriculum for children as young as five years old to start teaching mm-hmm. them that they that, mm-hmm. that, that that if they are white they are they're fundamentally an oppressor. You know, I actually I I, I know a mother who had a kid um, in 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 high school who was required to graduate to take a course in which he had to enumerate all of his different identities, including revealing his sexual orientation in high school to his classmates. And then he had to classify himself right. as an oppressor. And the mother su- sued the school over it, and she's got a really good case. Wow. Uh, I can't think of anything more. I mean, people could get killed over those kinds of things. Yeah. They, you know? they really could. I mean, it's so dangerous. So what, okay, so what are you doing about this now that you've, you know, I mean, you're bringing it to more people's attention? Are you going into organizations, companies, and um, trying to teach them how bad this is? Well, I what I'm doing is I'm trying to fight it by bringing more awareness to it, by really helping people to understand this ideology. Because, Carol, when I tripped over this ideology two years ago, when all of my friends started using the language of this woke ideology and all of a sudden started telling me to shut up and listen to black people all the time, I got to tell you, <laughs> I had no idea what was happening. All of a sudden, my friends started using this this language that I did not understand, and that's that's part of what happens with critical race theory. Is it's like they they take the common definitions and they rework them to create their own language, so that average everyday people who are just out living their lives they can't understand what's happening. And so I'm really working very hard to make sure that people are aware that this is going on, that there is absolutely no evidence in peer-reviewed journals to support this type of training. Even if you look at Robin D'Angelo's book, White Fragility, there are entire chapters without any academic reference at all. So it's coming basically out of her head. And so that's, that's how I'm contributing. But the other thing that I'm doing is I'm actively right now in New Hampshire, which is the state I live in. There's, there is a bill called HB 544 that would specifically ban state funding for this type of training in state agencies and in state Mm. contractors. And so what I'm trying to do is working as much as I can to pass this bill, get it, get it into law so that we at minimal will not be spending state money teaching people racism. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very important. Um, Obviously it needs to be all over the country. I mean, because it's, uh, the thing is it's going so fast and powerfully in the other direction, uh, especially with Biden now having become president, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not so much Biden, but the people who are behind him who are um, telling him what to do, you know, notably Obama um, and Black Lives Matter and, and the squad and all of that. Um, and he really, you know, he's listening to them for the most part. Uh, so it's happening so, I mean, I, I mean, we're, we're going to be told to, we're going to hear the music in a minute to take a break, but maybe when we come back we can also talk about um, the Equality Act. And, um, I mean, it, it's just happening on all different levels that all of these things are being forced down our throat and in a way, as you're saying, in a way that really does the opposite, that makes us more... Um, angry and confused and, and all of that and not really um, not really more um, uh, tolerant or welcoming of, of uh, engaging with people from different backgrounds. Well, all right, we do need to take another break. Um, my guest is um, telling us, is, is, you know, telling us some revealing stuff. Uh, her name is Dr. Carlin Borisenko. And um, we're going to be, when we come back, we're going to be talking about more of this and just how prevalent it is in pretty much every area of society. I mean, you, you do schools and workplaces and you're, you're eventually reaching everybody. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch and we'll be right back. Ask 
the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest is Dr. Carlin Borisenko. And we are talking today about critical race theory and all of the other things that we are that, that they are trying to um, jam down our throats from LinkedIn to Black Lives Matter to um, uh, lots of other factions of society. You know, when I was a child, I remember a book that my parents bought me. Um, I don't know that it's around anymore. I keep thinking maybe I, I would love to try to find it or, or create recreate it or something, but um, it was about... It was about a white bunny and a black bunny. Have you ever come across a book about a white bunny and a black bunny? And the I, idea I, was... I, um, I vaguely remember one, yes. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, the idea was that the uh, it started out with a white bunny. Um, no, a black bunny. I don't know. <laughs> one color bunny walking in the, in the street um, and getting run over. And the person who run, ran over that bunny, I think it was a white bunny, and the person who ran over that white bunny accidentally was a white bunny. And they took the bunny to the hospital, and the person who fixed the white bunny was a black bunny. And it went on with, you know, story after story, the idea being that, you know, you would think that the bad guy would be someone of a different race. I mean, you would think that if, you know, <laughs> that if you were, I don't want to say if you were racist, but you might think that. That might be the uh, what you would expect. And, in fact, every turn, every little story turned out to be that the black bunny was the hero. Now, that did, I mean, I remember this all the years later. I remember the, the drawings and all that. It was a simple book. Um, it wasn't a fancy book. It was a pamphlet, in fact. It was like a, I mean, not a pamphlet, but like a soft cover book. And, um, and that does, did a lot more to make people wake up to, to confront their prejudices than what we're having now with um, this, this critical race theory being jammed down our throat. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I remember in school where they they opened the white egg and the brown egg and there were both eggs inside. And so you could see that, you know, that we weren't different based on our outsides. And I think that, listen, I think that Uh this is this ideology is so harmful because it teaches people to hate themselves. Like we can't extend love to other people in the way that we should be just as human beings if we hate ourselves in the process. You know, one of the things that's been so terrifying to me on this journey is I actually, I watch a lot of these training programs because I want to understand what they're teaching people. And I sat in on a teacher education uh, training program about a month and a half ago. And it was, it was, specifically directed towards teaching people, uh, teachers who might have diverse populations, how do you work with your diverse students? Well, that sounds all fine, well, and good, until it got to the part where the trainers said, if you are working with biracial students, you want to teach them to identify with the non-white part of themselves. You want to teach them to identify with that part because the white part of themselves are the oppressors. And I have to tell you, when I saw this in a teacher education training program, I was shocked. That that that's going uh-huh. into the classroom, you know. Yes, yes, yes. This is really. I mean, and so okay. So who? Here's the sixty-four thousand dollar question. Um, who? Who is this behind all of these things? Is it a particular uh, body? I mean, the only thing I come up with is Black Lives Matter, but. There are others. How do you identify who these people are who are pushing all these things? Well, certainly Black Lives Matter is involved, and um, people need to know that Black Lives Matter as a concept is fine. No one's going to, like, I don't have any problem with the concept of Black Lives Matter, and of course they matter. But Black Lives Matter, the organization that people donated over a billion dollars to in the wake of George Floyd's death, they are a Marxist organization. The founders of it, They flat out say, we are trained Marxists. They've done multiple videos about this. And so that is certainly one of the places that it's coming from. But this all started way before Black Lives Matter. Critical race theory started as a fringe academic ideology in the 1970s. And it's kind of been, it's been, it's always been around, but it's been pretty latent up till recently when it is now loaded in popularity. So this came from academia, and and, the, and academia is one of the key places that's supporting it. And as we've talked about, this is not only in the schools from the time that your kids are, are young toddlers, to, it's, it's absolutely in the colleges and the universities. So, I mean, I hate to say this because I used to be, listen, I was a Democrat for 20 years before all of this happened, and then I realized the left went crazy and I left the party. But when I was a Democrat, I was very much about making sure the public schools were funded, making sure they had re- resources, making sure teachers had everything they need. What I know now is that we need to start taking kids out of the public schools because the public schools, because of what's happened with the colleges, the teacher education programs that are all teaching these teachers critical race theory, it's, it's a, just an environment that it's become completely untenable. So whether it's about homeschooling your children, there are so many wonderful resources for homeschooling right now, or making sure they're going to charter schools, private schools, whatever you need to do to get them out of the public schools, the better, because the public schools have turned into little indoctrination factories, and I don't think I'm being hyperbolic when I say that. No, no, absolutely. Um, but, but like who in, the, in these uh, academic institutions, who are the people who decided to teach teachers, you know, future teachers, all of this crap? Everyone. At the point where we are now, academic institutions are what, like 90, 95% run by people on the far left? It is, it is impossible at most academic institutions to express any viewpoint that is not the most progressive. And we've seen whistleblowers come out of higher education. Listen, you don't even need to be a conservative. I don't consider myself a conservative at all. But there are, there are whistleblowers that have come out of places like Smith College. And actually, just in the last couple of days, one has come out of the University of Vermont. These are not conservative people. These are not right-wing people, and they're speaking up to say the entire administration is pushing this training, all of the faculty are pushing this training, and it is creating incredibly toxic environments for anyone that does not align with it. And this, again, this is not about left or right or Republican or Democrat. This is about, do you want to actively teach racism or don't you? But how did these people, like how did so many people pop up 
over, even if you want to say since the 1970s, how did there get to be such an accumulation of, of people who believe in, let's just say, critical race theory um, and, and, and Marxist ideas and so on? Um, but how did there get to be so many of them that have, and, and have so much influence? Like, why, well, I think, why did insanity come in here? Well, I think this is a really good question, and this is actually the question of the hour, and it's something that right now I'm working very hard to actively understand. In fact, right now, if people want to reach out to me, I'm actually trying to put together a group of psychologists and psychiatrists to, like, reverse engineer what is it about this ideology that just takes people in, because the best way I can explain it to listeners is it is like invasion of the body snatchers. Once people get involved in reading books like White Fragility or How to Be an Anti-Race, or they do this training, it takes over every part of them. I'm not sure exactly where it started, but I do know that it is incredibly dangerous. And we really, we've got, and again, I'm not a hyperbolic person. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I really think we've got maybe a couple of years to, to fight this before it just becomes an impossible situation. Yes, yes. Uh, and I love that. I always use that expression, the invasion of the body snatchers with all these crazy things that have been happening. Um, that's such a, such, a, that was such a great movie because it, it, uh, uh, it just shows how people change, how these pods come down and, and it becomes people who have no feelings and people who have no common sense. Well, you know, it, we're getting so, we're like at the end of the show. <laughs> I'm going to have to, I would lo- have loved to, um, well, just in, in a minute, could you tell us what kind of uh, blowback or, or backlash um, <laughs> that you have been getting in, in being so brave and trying to talk out against this? Well, listen, I have been canceled on multiple different occasions. And, you know, I, I'm very blessed because anytime anyone speaks out about this ideology, there is going to be blowback. Absolutely. You're going to be called a racist. You're going to be called a white supremacist. You're going to be called every phobe in the book. And it does take a very strong person to say, no, none of that's true. I'm not a racist. I'm actually fighting racism. Um, but the thing of it is, is that if, if people don't, it, like, what would happen? What would happen if everyone that thought that this ideology was crazy just uh, spoke up against it at the same time? They all raised their hands and says, I'm not on board with this ideology. They wouldn't be able to cancel yes. everyone. And so it does take a few brave yes. people kind of like poking their heads up and saying, you know what, this is wrong yes. and we shouldn't be doing it. Everyone needs to be doing it. If you think that this is wrong, we have all got to start fighting it because it is the only way that it stops. Yes, absolutely. Well, and so let me help my listeners um, to start with that. You can go to Dr. Carlin's uh, website, and she has lots of ways that you can get involved. Her website is uh, drcarlin.com, which is spelled D R K A R. L-Y-N dot com, D-R-K-A-R-L-Y-N dot com. And again, um, her book is called uh, Zen Your Work, Create Your Ideal Work Experience Through Mindful Self-Mastery. Well, thank you so much for being on the show you and for speaking out and carrying your message and so on because this is really, really, really important stuff. So thank you. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 